we also talked about that. <laughs> we are like, Borderlands 2 and Grim Dawn are basically the only good games that have yeah. come out in the looting genre in 10 years. Yeah. You get to lead us in. I'm leading us in. You're leading us in? Pretend don't judge us for how we prep, prep for our show. Judge uh, us really well. Okay. everybody my name is John my name is Chris and we are two friends self-employed who have been having the same conversation about video games for 29 years now welcome to season two we learned to count one digit higher <laughs> actually not a digit one is no, integer higher there you go very important skills <laughs> all right so uh, welcome to episode two and as promised we are not sitting in Chris's dining room. Uh, we are now sitting at Fourth Tap Brewing, the brewery. Yeah, we're in the cool room. The, the, we're in our office, my office. I'm actually still at my desk, which I'm not gonna lie, makes me a little sad on some part because I sat down at this desk at 7:30 this morning, and, well, it, and the time is now uh, seven. Oh god, 7:46 at night. Mm. Just been here for 12 hours. There are horror movies about never leaving where you started your day. That's great. So, think about it. But what's more exciting is I think about 20 feet away from where we're sitting is a pretty large Smash Brothers tournament currently underway. It seems like people are having a good time. Yeah, how many people do you think are here tonight? Oh, uh, let me take a look. <laughs> Keep everybody entertained. This is probably, I'm going to guess there's three full benches of people with monitors set up. It looks like... There's probably eight to ten monitors on each of those benches. I'd guess it's about sixty. Yeah, probably sixty is a pretty fair assessment, which is pretty big for a tournament that happens every single week. Every single week. And it's also thirty degrees here. Yeah, it's really cold. So outside. getting out of the house is a struggle, like a legitimate struggle that I wouldn't wish on Cersei Lannister. Yeah, I feel like you're being. A little dramatic about it. No, seriously, it's really cold. I hate cold weather so much. <laughs> okay. It is the worst thing that happens to the earth. <laughs> this is, I, I'll be honest, I'm kind of lost words. and not, not sure how to respond to what you just said. Well, then let's talk about video games. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> that's probably a little bit more relevant. So yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about news. Let's do Yeah, yeah let's, let's jump into the news. Which one do you want to hit first? I'm going to do what's big... more pressing to me, okay. which is <laughs> fighting right. games and the EVO announcements for this year's EVO. So EVO is the biggest fighting game tournament of the year, the most has the most notoriety. Okay, where's it being held this year? It's being held in Vegas, which is every all... year. Okay. Yeah, so it's always in Vegas. They just start, they did an EVO Japan, and they do those once a year. That just happened. Okay. And that switches, but it's always in Vegas. And when, when, uh, when, when is it happening? When's it going down? Summer. It'll be August. Are we going? We might. We'll find out. Hey, we'll make it happen if we decide we want to make it happen. All right, so all of you so big... non-existent Patreon sponsors there, we're going to set up a Patreon <laughs> exclusively <laughs> so Chris and I can go to this thing. Yeah, that'll be great for us. Yes. And you? Question mark? Yeah, totally. It'll be worth it. So content. the big part, the big news announcement that came out of Evo is that Smash Melee, for the first time in 17 years, is not going to be there. What? 17 years, this game has been, it is the by far the longest mainstay game at EVO. 
Uh, it draws a ton of people every year on Twitch. Draws a ton of entrants. It's usually in the top four for number of registrants every single year. Okay. But this is the first year that it's no longer there, and they're gonna have two new games in its place. Uh, one is uh, Samurai Spirits, which hasn't been released and has had about 30 seconds of gameplay footage out at the moment. Okay. And the other is called Undernight in Birth Executable Latest. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you made that up. I, you, you think so. It sounds but like you made that I up. haven't. So, uh, Uniol, or Unist, is what that... Is that uh, the acronym for that? That is the acronym because Jeez. it's an absurd name. It's terrible. Uh, so, Uniol is the more popular way of, of talking about it. It's um it's an interesting game that basically combines uh, Street Fighter and Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear is like probably one of the most popular, most well known anime fighters. Okay. Which is at its core just a very fast paced fighting game with lots of crazy stuff happening on the screen and lots of air movement. Like Dragon Ball. So fighter? like kind of like Dragon okay, Ball. Yeah. yeah. So it's very much like Dragon Ball fighters. And super fun to watch. It is super fun to watch. Guilty Gear is also a really entertaining game to watch for that same virtue. So the difference in this Undernight game is it's a little bit more grounded. There's not a lot of air stuff going on. But the reason it got in is because it has had a huge underground scene for six years since the game was first released. The first iteration of the game was released. Okay. Uh, and it's by this studio called French Bread. <laughs> and the publisher is Arxis, who publishes Dragon Ball Fighter, or who is the lead developer for Dragon Ball Fighters? Okay, makes sense. And Guilty Gear, and so they are very involved in yeah. everything that goes on so in this they're, game. They're so it's very cool. Their expertise to the game. Right. So it's very cool that it got in, but the question is, is it worth Smash Melee not being in? Because Smash Melee undeniably will draw more entrance. So remind me of the history, real quick, of Smash. Uh, there was the first one that came out when we were all in high school. Yes. Which you played. So there's the Smash 64 version. Yep. And then there was Smash Melee. And Smash Melee, when that got released on GameCube, I think it was GameCube, it basically persisted in this huge competitive state yeah. like for we, 17 years, we and it will still Hack, probably persist. When we were DreamHack last May, that's what was being They were played. playing Smash Melee, and they also played Smash Wii U, or Smash 4, okay. is the most recent version. But now this. So now Smash Ultimate is yeah. the most recent iteration of Smash. Which we have 60 people behind us playing right now. Right. And in my opinion, is a way better game than Smash Melee. Smash Melee looks like a glitch, like, that people made a competition oh, out dude. of. dude, keep it, keep it civil. No, I, <laughs> I, that's what, but Smash, Smash Ultimate legitimately looks, I mean, it's a, a, a fun game, because I played it for a few hours, okay. and B, it's way more entertaining to watch. There's a lot more nuance to what people's movement and attacks look like. Smash Melee, again, just looks like they're sort of glitching around moving and how they move around the screen and how they uh, okay. rise up off the ledges. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. Right? And I find Smash Ultimate a much better version of the game. I don't know balance-wise how it compares because I don't... I'm not really involved with the scene. I don't play the yeah. game regularly. Uh, I don't think Nintendo really makes a priority to necessarily balance around competitive play regardless. But, uh, and to the point where I think there was a clear, clear, clear favorite for either Smash Wii U or Smash 4, where Bayonetta was clearly the best character and no one else denied it. Okay. <laughs> and it was really dumb. And it's a little bit better in Smash Ultimate from what I read. Okay. Uh, so they're at least to the point where it's a very reasonable, competitive game, and I think the game is just a lot more fun to watch and more fun to play as well without necessarily knowing the nitty-gritty stuff. So I gotta ask then, if the game has such a history and such popularity, why would it have been left off of Evo? 
So there's two reasons, maybe three. What are the 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 biggest reason I think is it requires CRT TVs to play, which are a huge pain in the ass in 2019 to acquire. Wait, CRTs? CRTs. Are they playing on? Yeah, because they're playing Smash Ultimate, Smash Melee. Oh. Was made a long time ago. I got you. Okay. And needs CRT TVs or their it well, doesn't work. Before we go any further, is Smash Ultimate going to be at Evo? Smash Ultimate is at Evo. Yes. Oh, okay, so Absol- this is it's not Smash as contra- is still there. This is not as controversial. There were two Smash games that made uh, two Smash games at Evo last year. Okay, this now is not just one. This is not as controversial as I thought. I oh thought no, it's controversial. Me. It is super controversial. <laughs> okay. Melee players are a lot of them are diehards. Okay. There was kind of new school Smash players that are like, I don't care, Smash Ultimate's great, I'm happy it's there, and I don't care about Melee. I should say, uh, for the younger generation, a CRT is a cathode ray tube TV. <laughs> it's the big, bulky, hulking fucking things. Yeah, it's like 15 times the size of a normal monitor. Yeah, it's like it's like back when you had LAN parties, you had to haul these giant things around, and here tonight we see people rolling in with like little slim monitors under their... Under their arms. I'm, I'm basically crashing the old man bitching about monitor size. So the other element of Smash Melee is that they are very insular as a community. Uh, to the point where they don't care about the other games at EVO. And they sort of demonstrate that by what their response is to Melee not getting in. Sort of throwing an online hissy fit. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there are counters in the FGC, the fighting game community, the traditional group that you think of as housing Street Fighter and Tekken, and they're all sort of under this umbrella that are typically more willing to play other games of the same fighting genre. Right. And they're also groups that are immature and saying, haha, Melee's not in. So <laughs> on both sides, people are absolutely kind of silly about it, because at the end of the oh, day... Quick, hey, Tim, how many people do you have here tonight? 69 people. Ooh, that's a good guess. Before that, no, the last two weeks were 82, 82, then 70-something. Cool. That's awesome. So as he said, uh, 69, so we're close. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hey, we're still... Like, anyway. Talking uh, about immaturity. Yeah, right. 69, <laughs> uh, um, then 82, 82, and 64. Yeah, and for a comparison, I have gone to a local Tekken tournament uh, that happens weekly here in Austin about three times, and we get 15 to 20 people. Yeah. So this is huge, absolutely huge by comparison. And that event happens on a Saturday, which I think would draw more people, but maybe it would be worse. I don't know actually how to think well, about it. And I don't want to. I want to come back around to what you were just right. saying. So real quick though, uh, so Tim, the guy I've been talking about, he's uh, with a group called Smash United. Um, we're going to have one of the uh, their top players here. I think later on in the show, we're going to talk to them for a bit. Um, Chris has a lot of good questions for him, I think. And then we're also going to talk to Tim or one of his business partners uh, from Smash United about their organization as well here in Austin. Um, but so the other big piece of news. Well, well, are you done with the whole? Email? I'm done with this. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good segue. I want to talk to them more about it because the big news is that this game that's been around for 17 years. Yeah. So the literally goal, at least three times longer than any game has been there. So it's not there. The plan is to talk to one of these guys about get there, get some like more inside information on what how they feel, how the community feels about exactly. Yeah. So you're about to segue? I heard a segue. I heard a fucking good yeah, why segue. Don't you, Hit me with that segue! Yeah, I mean, you want me to lead into it? I already led into Evo. Uh, what, are we, what are we leading into? 
<laughs> okay. No, okay. Okay. I was trying to. I was trying to do like. I don't know what's next. You did the segue. <laughs> you should know what's next. We talked a little bit about. Oh, this. just the. Uh, We're talking I'm, about. I'm holding in my hand right now. Anthem. I'm holding in my hand. And how Anthem. Ooh, things have gone from bad to worse this week. I wouldn't say worse. I'd say to like the bottom of the barrel scum garbage shit. So it's bad. Anthem. Is now bricking PS4. <laughs> yeah, let me put it this way. Uh, Chris handed me a game of Anthem, which I'm gonna. I was planning on playing, and then uh, I don't know if you caught the news this morning. It's been developing all day. It's been a lot of gossip. By the time we release this, it'll be a few days old. But um, and EA has since put out a uh, update as of about an hour ago from us recording this. Um, but Anthem has been uh, crashing uh, PS4s. And not just like crashing the game where it exits out to the menu. I mean, like shutting down the, the console itself. And people have confirmed that it is not related to heat. All right. There's All right, a yes, software this is, issue. Uh, Armada nope. Dragon. Hey, what's up, dude? Hey, how you doing? Nice hey, hey you, man. Chris, good to meet you. Hey, John. We're shitting all over Anthem right now, and the fact that it's breaking PS4s. I, yeah, I, apparently one has broken my friend's computer, and I did that. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't well, a friend; it's a friend of a friend. Yeah, I've also heard it's been happening to computers yeah. too. It's been pretty intense. It's a computer, yeah, um, I haven't played it since, which is lucky. Well, should we come back to it then? Yeah, we'll we'll table that. Let's do a quick cut, and then we're gonna jump in with you. Yeah. Well, that was a quick interruption. We yeah. just recorded an interview. What yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That was a good interview. Yeah, you're going to really enjoy it. Maybe. Yeah, later in this episode. 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, I sat next to Chris as he interviewed this guy. I won't give it away, uh, but a top player. And I learned something. Yeah, he's been traveling and playing Smash a, a lot. <laughs> That's yes. been pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Been going international. So, But the topic right now is Anthem mm. and how it's breaking people's computers, PS4s, and everything in between. Yeah, we were... Uh, Probably we killing were, people's puppies, I don't know. We were so generously interrupted. Uh, we were discussing uh, Anthem, which I'm holding a copy here. Again, we'll go back to that. I think we left off with me holding a copy of this game, and I'm afraid to install it on my PS4 because apparently, according to the news that broke this morning, and the gossip that's been running around the, the inner internet today, um, <clears throat> Anthem's breaking computers. And I think this is what I was saying. Now I remember where we were. So I was saying, <laughs> it's not just like people at getting first, old. Yeah, some people thought that it was a heat, heating overheating issue. Turns out that's not the case. Um, and it's not just crashing the game, like closing out to the main menu. It's actually shutting down the console um, to a point where you can't actually reboot the console. So it shuts down. You try to hit the power button. It does not come back on to physically unplug the machine or hit the button itself and get to get it to, to boot back up. And based on what the guy in our interview said when he walked in here and was talking about that, he said it's happening to PC as well. Have you yep. heard that? Yeah, it's having issues. I don't know that it's preventing people from turning back on their computers, but it's at least shutting them down. Yeah, so this is a big problem. And there have been a few scatter reports of it actually bricking a PS4, which would be a fucking nightmare. Right. And you always kind of wonder with these. Obviously, there are issues, and that's undeniable. But whether some people are kind of going a little bit further and smudging what is actually happening. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, my PS4 got raped. Let's pile on Bioware and EA because it's kind of fun to do. Yeah. But obviously there are clear issues and things have kind of gone from bad to worse. 
where there were there are some serious issues with Anthem's gameplay, but it's way more serious when consoles are actually being completely rendered unusable. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get into, like, I can't speak to the gameplay because I haven't played it yet, and uh, I was hoping I'd play it this week, but now I'm a little concerned. So just, just <laughs> as, as of our recording this now, which is Monday night, uh, March 4th, um, the, the only update we received from Bioware or EA at this time is just a single tweet from EA, help, saying that they are aware of the, of the issue, uh, they're investigating, and they just ask for your crash data reports. What that means is some like low-level manager is like, oh, I think there's a problem, and he's reported it up to the, up the chain, and nobody's done anything yet. And he's just like, I gotta do something, shit. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about Anthem. Our broader uh, scale, yeah. And our broader scale about stepping back away from the buggy issues, but just talking about the gameplay a little bit more, and how it seems like nobody can get the looter genre right on the first go. We've had issues with Destiny, Diablo, The Division, and more on launch of not providing the kind of experience that players expect. So that's going to be our other segment besides the interview. This, Yeah, the whole idea of driving, of just kind of greed driving these, well, like take Red Dead, for instance, which had a big patch update, which we'll get into in that segment as well. Um, questioning the whole existence of Red Dead Online is what I'm going to do, actually. Wow. Uh, but outside of that, um, I'd imagine beyond just that mid-level manager or low-level manager at EA who fired that up the chain, there's probably a whole lot of people uh, working overnight tonight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So hopefully it gets fixed. A whole lot of people probably, probably all got called in. Probably. Good luck to them. Godspeed. That's not a fun job. I do not envy any of you. Um, anyways, a You've got more news, or do you have more news? I got more news. You got more news. No, I just care about Anthem and fighting games. Okay, so that's whole... my life right now. <laughs> that's aside from work, at least. Well, the whole uh, the the interview kind of bumped our rhythm, but I think it was a good interview, man. You did a good job, actually. For you. That was your first interview. That was probably no. I think I probably interviewed somebody for something before in my life, but it's certainly our first interview for this podcast. You did an excellent job. I appreciate yeah, it. I was very impressed. Uh, I think I did a good job. I, I didn't jump in at all because at a certain point I was like, you know what? You got this. Also, Working. I know fucking nothing about uh, what y'all were talking about. It definitely helps that I have some knowledge into the matter. That's right. I would. I was just nodding and smiling. Yep. So I think even playing some mobile games or something. <laughs> yeah. So boys playing some mobile games. So unlike you, real gamers over there. Yeah. Some of us over here playing casual scrubs. Bunch of scrubbing it up. Free play. When to you know. Pay to play, play to win, pay to win. Jesus Christ! As long as you're paying money, <clears throat> let me start. That they don't care. Uh, free to play, play to win, and watch to win. Watch ads to win. Pay to win. Yeah, pay, pay to win. Right. All right. So I got the list here. So you brought up last time Sidorica. Uh, I downloaded it, checked it out. Yeah. Hey, what do you think? It's cool. It's got some unique moments to it. Um, it's got. It, uh, it compared to now that I've played quite a few of these kind of fantasy character collection like grindy-ish games um, right it has yeah, some, these gotcha games yeah it's got some unique aspects to it. i like there oh. are there are not a lot of them but there are parts of the game that actually require some strategy there's a lot of the game you can just grind away and get resources and get more stuff sure but there are some uh, especially the weekly events actually has some kind of strategic elements where you have a set character cast that you have to use a bit and they up. actually give you really good rewards, so it's kind of cool that you have some strategic things that you're going through, yeah, and you're getting a benefit out of it. And I, and I feel, you know, I sense that there might be an entire segment on this in the future, but but right now, you know, what I'm my 
biggest complaint with the genre is that they will build all of this complexity into it, all of these opportunities to customize and tweak and you know, perfectly create the optimal team to address any situation. Right. And, and they, they try to like lay in like, your gear has different characteristics, then you can like specialize the gear, you can specialize all your talents, you can upgrade them certain ways, your different characters will have their own talents. They'll be like like in, in one of the games I'm playing right now, then every character has a different elemental version of it. And then you, you pile on a rock, paper, scissors mechanic on top of that, it's the whole thing. Um, but what I've learned is that none of that fucking matters. Um, just get better better shit and then you win. Like that's really like they build all of this into the game and and I don't pay attention to any of it and I do just fine. You can usually get around it by either paying money or grinding. Grinding. Is but to I mean. be fair, that's true of pretty much every RPG, especially JRPGs. <laughs> if you're not good enough to win, just grind. Yeah. And that's where these games are largely coming out of is Japan and South Korea. So is that really a surprise? I guess it shouldn't be. No. Yeah. But um, outside of that, I have been playing. So Sidorik was fun. I've been playing, uh, I, as you know, I stopped playing Lineage 2. Good. <laughs> Still on my phone. Uh, uh, we're getting there. But I did pick up another NC Soft game Great. called, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Aeon? Aeon. Aeon. That's how I always pronounce it. It's like Ion with an A in the beginning. Yeah. A-I-O-N. So this is another game based on an old MMORPG that they released like 10 years ago. Did you ever play that one? No. So it was basically one of the purported WoW killers. There were a million WoW killers that never killed WoW, because WoW was better than all of them, infinitely so. Uh, but it was two sides. There was, I don't know, the demons and angels, or yep. whatever they were called. And you went through doing quests and saving people's lives that you didn't see ever again in the story for the remainder <laughs> of your leveling up. And then you went to one part that was cool at in-game of it. It was like a PvPVE, where you were fighting enemies, but you were also fighting other players while you are trying to get better gear, essentially. So that was sort of their version of raiding in World of Warcraft. It was cool, it seemed like. I never got there, because I don't really like grinding. Sure. <laughs> but And it was a super grindy game. Which is the hallmark of all seemingly South Korean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it really is. So there were some cool elements to it, but it was trash. So is the mobile game trash? Because it's probably trash. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's really what I'm getting at. Look, it's too soon to say. Uh, I will say that um, it's got an incredible amount of depth that is totally irrelevant to winning the game. Yeah. And uh, it's yeah. got some... That's surprising. Not. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. So I, I will say this. I It's the first of all these games where I'm kind of into the world. Like the mythos, the, the background they've constructed about this, like, kind of like space-faring fantasy. So did they actually pay someone to translate the script? Because most of the time they just find somebody who is like a college-level <laughs> student to translate from Korean to English, and you get something that seems cool, but is gibberish, and you have to deconstruct it to yeah. understand what's happening. Uh, yeah, Which is what is Sidorica, because the story seems like it might be cool, but Ooh. the script is awful. Okay, Sidorica's translation... It's real bad. You want to talk about the word trash. It's real bad. It's real bad. <laughs> it's... Uh, the the Legions of War, Aeon, Aeon Legions of War of Mensisoft, the translation is definitely better. It's not perfect. Um, but it's readable. It's, it's English. Yeah. The Sidorica is a, a rough one. To <laughs> but but at the end of the day, like, they're two, they're two different takes, you know. Uh, you've got Sidorica, which came out of a, a Taiwan uh, developer. Uh, Rayark Game. Rayark Incorporated. 
and then Aeon, which is NCSoft, out of South Korea. Um, they're both they're both good games technically, and uh, the art style of each are very unique. I think the art styles are both are well executed. Um, the end of the day, the question is, do the mechanics like function? Uh, it, it's beyond just a surface level, you know, you know, tap tap tap. Uh, we have to actually think about it. Um, Sidorica has kind of like in the moment strategy, which is cool. And Ion Legion's War, it's pretty just, you know, it's like it's a lot like Lineage Two. It's kind of just plays itself. You could argue that the strategy is somewhat irrelevant, and I'm going to possibly bring that up, almost certainly bring that up, because I have kind of a disdain for looting games in general, like Diablo and Destiny and Anthem anyway. So we're going to bring it up in this segment, but that progression is sort of the end-all, be-all, regardless. And with mobile games, you have kind of a weird element that the player isn't always able to engage themselves for long stretches of time. Yeah. So you have to somehow fit in this progression to five to ten minute stints, which is very difficult. So you make it up with, I don't know, janky gameplay. Well, I mean, one thing that I've noticed with these games, too, this is almost turning into a segment. I don't, I don't want that to happen. But no, I don't either. We'll, we'll get into it. But it's, it's, what I've noticed is that the way they really hook you in is they say, oh, you only have, like, 50 stamina to go do quests, right? And once you run out of stamina, right. you have to. That is a popular system. Right. But here's how they're, like, they're breaking um, they're like, yeah, you you have a maximum of 50 stamina. Oh, by the way, you've got 5,000 stamina. <laughs> oh, did you just complete a quest? Here's 2,000 more stamina. And I'm like, oh, cool. I just can I can play forever. Well, they make it unlimited for your first month well, or two. That's what I've that's what I've learned. They've made it so it's like you've unlimited play for the first couple months. Right. And then suddenly one day you log and you're like, oh, shit. I don't, I don't, I, I gotta pay money. Yep. Or I have to wait. Alright, well, hopefully you don't play Ion. Too long, because... <laughs> but, I, before we before we break, though, the, I will say, the mobile game I'm, I actually have legitimately been enjoying a lot is that the top 11. The one you were playing, talked about last time. Soccer management game, yeah. I'm gonna brag for a second. Uh, my team finished uh, number one in my league, undefeated, perfect record, and I won the Champions League. I did get knocked out in the cup at the round of 16. Um, but because my team dominated, I've been moved up to the next league, which is nice. So uh, it kind of recalibrates the ratings of all of my players. Uh, and then I'm now in a league with a bunch of people who I think are not just the types who created an account and then played for a day and then logged off and then made it very easy to win. So I'm playing against a lot more people who seem like they're actually how, also playing How long in real time are the seasons? Uh, a month. Okay, so I project in about a month you will go up against all of the pay-to-win, the lower-tier pay-to-win players, the people who pay money but are bad at the game, and you might have, you're going to be kind of in the middle there. I'm going to say... That's my prediction. I think you can make it to the next one, but... I think you need to give me another, I think it's going to be two months until that happens, because I've, so? I've looked at the people in my league, and my team is already the highest-rated team in this league as well. Okay. Like I said, I watched a lot of ads. Okay. So many ads. Oh, okay, but you are watching a lot of ads. Watching so a lot of ads. It'll be interesting to compare ad paying, watching versus paying to win. I'm paying my time. Yeah, right, definitely sure. Definitely get my time. Cool. Um, so I've got one of the highest rated teams in uh, in my league, uh, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, my feeling, I think you're right, though. I'm going to get to League 4, League 5, and suddenly bumping up against these pay to win players. What it's I'm, inevitable. What I'm really curious about, though, is, is it, at any point, will the, like, the tactics of my formation... Uh, because you can really drill down and, and tell each player, like, I want you to be pressing, neutral, or, or playing back. You can adjust their passing strategies, their, you know, their uh, 
their zone or man-to-man defense strategies, their overall mentality of how they're attacking or defending, um, how hard they're tackling players, which of course puts you at risk of cards. But at the same time, you might, you know, you're, you're playing harder defense. So there's a lot of options there. But again, all of that, I, I think that's all being kind of like the grindy South Green games. It all kind of gets overwhelmed by just the quality of my practice. Right, at some right? point, even if you're Bill Belichick, you know, the coach of the New England Patriots, yeah. and you're going up against with high school players against a bunch of NFL players, it doesn't really matter who's coaching them. Yeah. They're going it to win. It doesn't matter, right. So I'm curious about when I get to that point, will the strategy start mattering? So we'll, we'll, that remains to be seen. And no, but, it won't. Well, it may have, yeah, you're right. But at least the pacing of the game means that I've got at least two more months of gameplay. Sure, if you enjoy it, it doesn't really matter. And I'm having a good time. Yeah. Cool. I like my team. All well, right. Winning's fun. So that's good. Okay, time. well, as long as I can shit on it for another two months until you find your next uh, <laughs> mobile game that do. I shit on. They're all terrible. Yeah. All right. All right, we're going to come back with our segment on uh, talking about basically greed with AAA studios as well as looting games just not getting it right. Basically, Chris around. and I are going to shit all over your favorite games again. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll back to Alright, we're back. Mystic Days. <laughs> talking about looting games in general. Games like Diablo and Destiny and Anthem. And yep. Yep. kind of uh, maybe how greed is affecting how all of them are terrible. When they initially launch, or so it seems at least. Yeah, we, so Chris and I were having this conversation about why, <laughs> why is there, why are there no good looting games at the beginning and launch? Why, why are no good multiplayer looting games? You know that loot grind. Uh, are, why it are seems they, crazy, right? Why, like, why are none of them? Well, we that, have that. That formula was basically not. I don't want to say perfected, but executed extremely well in Diablo 2. A long time ago. Yes. We're talking about a 10-plus-year-old game. But then they started being third-person, started being first-person shooters. Doing but the problem is, stuff. even with that, with this, disregarding that transition, Diablo 3 was absolutely trash on launch. It was trash until the expansion came out, in fact. The game was okay. awful. Okay. And so Destiny followed the uh, same sort of template of making trash loot. Well, before we go too far, there are a few games... I think we, we identified a couple that we will agree were good at launch. Right. They were actually pretty good looters. I may not particularly like them, but I can understand how people did appreciate and them. we're totally going to save those for later in the segment. But we want you to keep listening. Yeah, but take a gander and a guess at what you think were actually a few of the good shooters <laughs> of the past 10 years, the looters. Uh, and also consider that, in my opinion, uh, there were only two of them that were released this decade. Wow. Uh, so it's not a lot. Yeah. So, so basically, what we've seen, and let's let's put some names to this: so the Division, um, Destiny. Anthem, Destiny. Although, in their own rights, they had really cool things about. It. So all these games were still wild. Well, I don't know about Anthem yet, but a lot of these games were wildly successful. Um, right. And Anthem is gonna sell probably. Mil- I mean, it's, it has sold well, millions of copies, undeniably. The, the last numbers I saw had it. No, sorry, I'm, I'm confusing that with Red Dead, which we're going to talk about Red Dead Online as well because we think it also kind of peripherally lumps into this conversation. But um, take take the Division for instance. I played the Division a lot. It had a lot of fun aspects that made that kind of kept you playing until the loot grind became too much. 
Um, right. So basically, once you got to the end game, everything sort of crumbled. Yeah. And, and, and Destiny, although I never, I played it for like literally five minutes, but uh, my friends who played Destiny extensively, they all said the feel of it, the in terms of just being a shooter, uh, it was incredibly well executed. Right. It was basically Halo, which was basically the console gold standard of shooters forever. Yeah. Perfectly executed game. So, I mean, Bungie made Destiny, so it's not really that surprising. The problem is, the actual looting was boring as all hell. And that kind of led to people getting pissed off, and them releasing Destiny 2, which, guess what, also sucked really badly on launch. Yeah. So, for some reason, these games who are produced and developed with millions of dollars in budget with studios of three to four hundred people for some reason cannot get the simple thing right that yeah you're still going to be guessing the games but companies that have 20 people have gotten right in the past 10 years so come on guys right. think about it a little bit harder and and you know make me think about this and help me here anthem is bioware's is this, is this bioware's first uh massively multiplayer online shooter looter game yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of them out there. So, yeah, it's their first... It's their first foray into this? It's their first foray. They've handled multiplayer experiences with some form of progression in terms with Dragon Age Inquisition, Mass Effect 3, and Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. So there was some progression there, but... Recording? Oh, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I think it's just stretched out that much, because we started at 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm pretty confident we're hey, recording. Zoom in on it, zoom in on it, zoom in on it, yeah. How do I zoom in? It's a good... you just, just do your thing with the fingers and just like... <laughs> just do my thing with the fingers? Yeah. yeah. I'm doing the thing with the fingers. Do this, go. Yeah, it's recording. We are recording. <laughs> that was exciting. End of episode right there. <laughs> this is going in after the credits. Alright, cool. All right, so, um... What the fuck were we? I don't know. But at 15 minutes, we need to remember to yeah, cut out some stuff. Derailed this hard. Um, but yeah, so there's the, we've got these massive AAA studios with shit tons of money. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So yeah, so one of the big things I was going to say about Anthem is not only is it Bioware's first foray into this, but my at least the rumors I've seen floating around, and this is just rumor, is that it was not intended to be necessarily a a first person. Uh, sorry, a first-person shooter multiplayer looter game, right? Like that wasn't necessarily. Well, it is third person, but yeah, sorry, I understand person. what you're saying. Not it was it was not intended to be that. So what the idea is that EA is greedy and they made Bioware do things they didn't want to do and they've enslaved all of them into this horrible capitalistic function <laughs> that nobody else is okay with and they've ruined all of gaming for all the time. I mean, part of me wishes that were true. But I think the truth is uh, that Bioware made it made a play in this. They they have decades of goodwill, and they just used it. They cashed that shit in. EA gave them six years to develop this game. Six years. Six years is a blank check to it. It really is. That's a long time. Yeah, and from EA, which is the biggest video game publisher, I think. No, they're not. Uh, I mean, yeah, at least Activision Blizzard is. Activision Blizzard is the biggest independent video game publisher. And EA is not large. EA is too. I mean, EA is like got to be. EA is too, and if you consider not independent, then it's Tencent because they are in other aspects of gaming. How do you consider? What do you consider to be independent? Uh, market cap. Uh, okay. So the stock market, basically. Oh, I got you. Uh, but EA is a massive publisher. 
Right, yeah, I mean, EA is huge. Uh, they are, and before Activision merging with Blizzard, they were number one. But now, yeah, Blizzard's obviously a big company and Activision's a big company. So. Yeah, that's true. But they're also trash now, too. Well, not trash, but oh. they're with their Destiny and Basically, everything else releasing, it's... EA comes along and sells a company like Bioware, a company with decades of incredible track, track incredible history, an amazing track record of producing some of the most beloved games of all time. And they say, you've got six years to develop this game. Six fucking years. Now, I haven't played the game yet, so I don't want to talk too much shit. Chris, you have played the game. I have played the game, and there's a lot of good stuff around it. Uh, The gameplay itself, the shooting, the flying around, the abilities, the javelins, which are your characters that you play, have a lot of endearing and enjoyable qualities to how everything performs. You've got some cool abilities, and it's kind of fun to kill a bunch of stuff if that's what you're into. I mean, there are flaws that I find with the entire genre, which is that you're sort of mindlessly doing a bunch of tasks, but Bioware brings their at least A- minus to B-plus game with a story, with character development, with high-quality voice acting and animations. And a lot of it is a world that I want to get into, but I know at the end of the day, when I'm done playing the story, A, I'm not even going to be max level, so it doesn't even take you that far. And B, I'm just going to be mindlessly grinding on the same enemies without any real randomization for boring-ass loot. And that's the problem, is that they've got boring-ass loot in the game. And, I again, this is from reading about it, but... There are a lot of people that are very well versed in how the end game is. Yep. I'm taking my information from them to see that there's not enough gear dropping and there's not enough gear relative to the uh, players that are playing the game that they're actually able to even use it when it does drop. I've heard something about the loot tables themselves being kind of jacked up where, late and, and, and forgive me if I'm retreading something, but you know, as you get further into the game, like the amount of common uncommon and uncommon items, the rate of those drops is just kind of absurd. Right, so they did release a patch a week ago to ameliorate some of those issues, but still yeah, they're having... Ameliorate? Ameliorate? Ameliorate. Oh, ameliorate. I thought you were, saying, you were trying to say mitigate. Uh, I did not, but I know. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, not as drunk <laughs> as I thought you were. Not as, no, <laughs> we're good. Uh, so... The problem is still that the gear isn't compelling, and it doesn't drop fast enough. So what is, both what is, of those. What so is compelling gear to you? Compelling gear you know, Flashy lights and cool paint <laughs> jobs and, you know, smoking guns. and It's like, gear that evolves your gameplay in some manner. So when Diablo 3... I'm going to go back to that because I've yeah. played Diablo 3 a lot. This is, uh, post, this is post-patch. This so fixed Diablo I'm, 3. I'm going to oh, talk about. I'm talking about both of them. I'm talking about pre and post. When Diablo three uh, launched, the gear was basically you got some better stats, but nothing else really changed. And the yeah, strength plus ten. You got some strength plus ten, and that's essentially what you were getting. Diablo three post expansion is I've got sets that give me new abilities that change what. Uh, abilities I want to have equipped to my characters that affect 
how I actually approach running through all these labyrinths of Diablo. It changes the way you approach the game. Right. The, the it, core strategy with the character you've got, it changes the way that you... And it doesn't just change it, it evolves it. Which okay. is important in that I feel, not only am I getting a new experience, but I feel more powerful. It's not horizontal progression where I just have essentially a new character that's yeah. you know more or less the same level of power. I'm also more powerful, and I get to do new cool things. Yes. And to, that's what good loot is. To tie it back to these MMOs I'm playing on my phone, uh, it's they, they have the illusion of that. But in reality, all it is is just increase the stats a little more. Right. You get to fight a giant bat instead of a medium giant yeah, bat. Yeah, and your combat power, or you know, that's that's usually the rating. It's like, oh, you've got, all, you've got like 15, 20 stats you can affect. But in reality, it all just gets summed together to this one thing called combat power. And that's really all you care about. And so what you're saying is that with the expansion of Diablo 3, it, it was less about your overall like summation of your stats. It was more about the, the loot creating, evolving new ways of approaching the game. And yeah, and don't get me wrong. The stats are absolutely key in Diablo and any of these games. You want your stats and your numbers to get bigger and larger and be more impressive. But certain builds are based around certain stats being higher than others. So you, uh, your character, or sorry, your build for your same class may care about dexterity and vitality. But mine may just want to max out dexterity. I don't care if I have any life at all whatsoever, any vitality. And that's totally fine. Wait, wait, so you're saying ma a max dex and min life? Is that like a glass? So cricket? sort of a glass cannon. I mean, you're not intending to necessarily minimize I'm to like, vitality. Like, I'm trying to think of what's the equivalent of like a glass ninja. Yeah, you're like a glass ninja. Sure. No life, all dex. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You're like gonna like sneak up behind a guy and just poke him, and he dies. <laughs> well, no, he just. You got all the decks, so you sneak up and you poke them. Oh man, you should not have brought up ninjas because uh -oh. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice releases later this month. It does. Yeah. Do you want I... to talk about that next episode? No, I need to not buy it. Yeah, you're gonna buy it. Right, anyway, right. so back on back on topic. back on uh, back on topic. It's your fault, by the way. <laughs> so the question is, why can't these guys get it right when, like I said, studios with 20 developers, well couple studios with 20 developers have been able to get it right in the past 10 years so, so i'm going to throw out i'm going to segue briefly into red dead okay and bring it back because i feel like red dead's a mild version of my what what one of the so we have a hypothesis here and, and we're not saying this is what it is what we're saying is this is this is what kind of spurred the conversation and so um take take red dead for example uh the single player experience of red dead online we talked about last episode amazing it's absolutely worth every penny. You should get it, play it, play the whole thing, enjoy it, put your headphones on. Don't just, don't have distractions, just like dive into that world. The online is an afterthought. Um, it's very much, let's take GTA Online for instance. GTA Online was a well-executed online component to Grand Theft Auto, Auto 5. Uh, it was, or sorry, Grand Theft Auto Yeah, GTA 5. 5. I don't think it was, oh, 4 was the one that I hated. They got rid of all the fun stuff, yeah. Well, GTA 5 has the online. Yeah. So GTA 5, so what GTA 5 online felt like is they had a roadmap prior to the release of the game. They knew what they were doing. Um, and then they excellently executed that plan. Uh, and it worked very well. People still play 
hit a lot today, years years after release. Now, sure, it's possible they just you know stumbled into it and it worked out for them. Great. I don't think that was the case. I think they really came into it knowing what they were going to do and had a really solid plan and executed it very well. Um, Red Dead Online feels like, and I've, I've been reading comments like this online. It's it's like they're they're two years in development and somebody goes, oh man, oh yeah, GTA Online's like really popular. We should we should make a, G, a Red Dead Online two and make money doing that and find a way to monetize <laughs> it. And then the developers were like, we don't want to do that. And the, then the, the, the suit-wearing guys at Rockstar, if they have those, were like, no, 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 we have to make the money. And they're like, all right, cool. And they just like shit something out overnight. And that's Red Dead Online, because it's garbage. <laughs> and that's what I read. on top of that, they just released, and the reason why this topic we bring it up is because they just released a big patch ostensibly to fix the whole thing. Um, yeah, so to ostensibly fix the entire online experience, uh, what happened was they just made it worse. So, they, so they're, the big issue you had, uh, one of the big issues, is the economy. The economy was fucked. Um, and they managed to make it worse by making it even more difficult to earn money, but also uh, made things like emotes like more expensive. Like, they were free, are now not free. So, so like, they're like, you, oh, do you want to buy this, like, like ratty shirt? It's more expensive. Oh, so, and by the way, it's harder to get. So, they, they basically raised tax on all the poor people to 80%. Yeah, that's what happened. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like a good way to make people happy. On top of that, one of the big complaints a lot of people have in the online edition was the rampant, like, murdering of everybody on the street. Sure, obviously it's going to happen. It's fun. Don't get wrong. I yeah. definitely spend hours with my friends just in endless, like, respawning death matches with other people. It's fun. I mean, there's a reason why Quake was popular exactly. at some point in time, at least. But, you know, some people are in it that are playing online to try to, like, build their own characters, you know, independent of the main story. To be played the main story, it does kind of, like, shoehorn you, shoehorn you into a certain story path. Okay. And so if you really want to develop your own narrative in the online version, that's kind of the idea, I think. Um, you want to, like, go hunting. You want to build your character. You want to explore and, and do missions. Um, the problem is everybody's murdering each other all the time. <laughs> And so they... That is a problem. And so, so there's, a, there's a major conflict with the update that just came out. So on one side, they said, okay, it's way easier to parlay with somebody. And so in the, in the original, what I mean by that is in the original, uh, at release, you would be killed by somebody three or four times. You could say parlay. You could choose this option to parlay with them. They wouldn't be able to kill you for a while, right? So they updated the game to say, all right, uh, if you get killed once, you now have the option to parlay with someone. So if somebody just takes you out one time, you can say, all right, you can't kill me again. You got me. Good for you. I'm gonna go keep fishing. Okay. That's what I'm trying to do. At the same time, they release these daily quests, which are like, hey, go get three headshots or go <laughs> kill five people. And so, great. Now that one person isn't killing you over and over, but now everybody's trying to kill you because everybody wants their daily quest because you want their reward because again. The economy is messed up, and it's just really difficult. This is the to get. only thing you can do to acquire any wealth whatsoever. Right. So it's like it's like they weren't like whoever put this patch together. They weren't all talking to each other. Like there was no cohesive strategy here. And so what that tells me is that Red Dead Online, sadly, I think was just like an afterthought. And, and so I'm going to segue back. So we're now we're going to so roll with me on this. this, this yeah, no, I got. It. I've been thinking about it the whole yeah. time. We're bringing it. We're bringing it back in. So I think what Red Dead Online was was ultimately a greed play, a, they felt like it was necessary to include this in the game. It's like, we have to have this online thing, we have to do this piece. It made us a whole bunch of money with Grand Theft Auto Online. We obviously have to do it in Red Dead Online. And 
I, they lack the passion, the passion people, the drive. They lack the, they lack the, the vision or the willingness, and it just didn't happen. And so the only people that are making it happen right now are like the money counters. Yeah, so it might actually be, and I don't think anything is as simple as it sounds, but that somebody said, hey, you just need this to be in the game. Do whatever you want with it. And the developer, the lead designer, whoever was like, I don't want that in the game. I'll appease you, Yeah. but Very I'm many. not putting any effort into it whatsoever. I just ranked it for like five minutes, didn't I? Eh, you did, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but hopefully it kind of got people thinking about the question of whether there's just an element of somebody telling somebody else to do something, who has the money, who has, who's writing the paychecks, yeah. who is forcing developers, these very creative types, who usually don't like being told what to do right. and have their own vision, what to do. And so that makes me wonder whether... That's kind of coming into play with Destiny and the Division and Anthem and Diablo. But the problem is... I, I did, just before you go to that, I did just have a very depressing vision of some developer at Rockstar listening to this podcast who's like, I tried really hard. <laughs> just like a single team. That's fine. He was bad. <laughs> Sorry, bro. He should have been better at his job. <laughs> hey, man. Get good. Get good. <laughs> the immortal words of Dark Souls. <laughs> get good. Good. All right, so you, so, you had so, an excellent segue about Right, that. so we have all these shooters, and you got to, or all these looting games, and you have to wonder whether somebody came and said, hey, you got to do it this way. But the problem with all of these games is that they're nothing without the looting component. Yeah. So Diablo, obviously, clearly, for all time, has been a looting-centric game. Destiny was built as a one of the first kind of MMO-like games yeah. with but with shooting gameplay with actually hey it's gonna be an MMO but with good shooting with good FPS gameplay uh, the division same sort of thing anthem okay yeah there's a story but it's not really long enough to be a standalone story and then no way is going to compare it to a Mass Effect or a Dragon Age right. so it doesn't stand on its own and the story is just there to kind of get you in the world have a little bit of lore and then get you in the the looting component into the, into onto the looting treadmill. And and what's what's fr so one reason I'm willing to play these these mobile games I'm gonna keep tying it back to it somehow. Uh, You're addicted. That's what happens. Well, I don't have to pay for it. I didn't pay for the game. And now if sure. I go into a game and I spend sixty five dollars, and then I suddenly discover that in the end game, oh no, you you want to like compete at the top level? Oh, it's gonna be another twenty dollars. Oh, it's another thirty dollars. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want the next the next part of this game that we had already you know we'd already finished before we released the game? We just held it back. Because we wanted to charge you another thirty dollars for it. Oh, guess what? That's another thirty dollars. And the funny that. the funny thing about that is the arguable best looting game available right now is a free to play game, which is Path of Exile. I don't like Path it. Path of Exile, okay. I think it's really boring, but it's extremely popular and people love it. So regardless of what I think, it's super successful, and they have absolutely no pay-to-win elements. The studio is awesome, and I really? really I love the studio because of how they approach everything. Okay, it's, everything's basically cosmetics and a little bit of convenience factor. This is Path of Exile, and the game is free to play. The game is completely free to play, and there's no pay to improve your stats. No. But you can pay for cosmetics. Yeah. And that's where they get the revenue from. Yeah. Wow. And that's it. That's all it is. The game is, you can completely... League of Legends, right? It's the same thing. 
Well, League of Legends is a little different because you can buy characters and they argue like the balance is such that maybe a certain character is better now than later or whatever. Okay, all right. So it is it is without, helpful to have more characters. Without getting into that, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, but so Path of Exile has done a great job and it's clear that every aspect of that game comes from a place of passion. So the question is, do these games just lack passion? Even with Destiny, is it possible that yeah, this was the first foray into this new shooter loot genre. But is it possible that the designers, developers, wanted to make Halo, I don't know, 5 or whatever Halo it would have been at the time? Yeah. And instead were shoehorned into making Destiny? Do they want to make Destiny an experience for maybe not Halo, but a new kind of Halo-esque universe? Sure. New, new IP, but same. Mechanic. Right. So because like, again, they know how to make shooters... But yeah. they don't know, clearly do not know how to make looting games. Yeah, and that's, that's my point when I said earlier. Is every, from everyone I heard that really dug into that game, they felt that the shooting mechanics were very well executed. The, the FPS side of it, not the FPS, but like the, the, the Halo-esque side of the game was incredibly well executed. Right. I've heard some people say it was one of the best at, in, in its time. But then they had to shoehorn all the loot boxes. Which caused... Well, there weren't loot boxes for that. Oh, they didn't have the loot boxes? It one? wasn't loot boxes. None of them, which is... Yeah, none of them have They had the, like, loot boxes, like the... Per se. Right, so so the thing is just that the, the loot that you acquire when you are at the high-end stuff, at the top-tier end of the game, where you're essentially running very repetitive content, maybe with some variation if there's good procedural generation, is... Uh, I just want to acquire better loot at a reasonable pace. I want to improve my character at a reasonable pace. Yeah. And, and I can say with uh, Diablo 3, so the expansion Reaper of Souls, it does a good job of A, uh, giving you more loot at a reasonable rate, and B, giving you a new challenge to embark upon to test that loot. Uh, there's basically these, a rift system, at least the last time I played, where you just got harder and harder rifts that were more challenging to survive. And you got better gear as you kind of went through them. Yeah. Uh, I stopped playing only because Blizzard servers uh, shit the bed and killed my <laughs> hardcore character, and I never <laughs> want to play it again. <laughs> so that was frustrating and dumb. Yeah, so that was that was great. Uh, and Blizzard has a no, I don't know, support policy for hardcore characters dying, basically. Yeah, that, that hardcore. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. So, but regardless, the I got to, I had insight into what made looting progression exceptional. I found it very engaging to just even little ticks of improvement could get you through that next risk. I was going to ask, like, so what are the what are to you the key components then to a quality? So, so I brought up the evolution of characters right. earlier, right? That you want not only better stats, but that you want your gameplay to change in some manner to give you some uh, thought process into maybe changing your build around or playing in a different manner than sure. you were previously because your gear necessitates that your best performance is to go route B instead of route A, which is what you've been on the whole time. But I think it's also providing challenging content to uh, pitch you against with this new gear. Now, a lot of games don't have that, but I do think that is critical, is you not only, you don't have to basically run the exact same content, you have to run Maybe something pretty darn similar with higher numbers that is kind of the easiest way of balancing it is making it a little bit tougher in an infinite progression loop where it's like, okay, at some point no one will be able to beat it because it's so high. Sure. But 
that at least provides some path for progression. Uh, in Anthem, there's it just goes up to Grandmaster 3, which is the highest level it goes, and that's where it stops, which is not good. Yeah. It, it, it should keep going up. There's no reason for it not to. You can always up stats if you just want to do the bare minimum. You know, you know why you're, space. It's what you're talking about. You got me really kind of thinking about how these, these games develop. You know, so we think about back when you and I started playing way back, and, and even obviously before our time, these RPGs were single-player games. There was no multiplayer component, right? But, but even those games were still loot-driven. You want to increase your character. You want to get better gear to get better weapons and essentially to fight more powerful enemies. Like, that's, that's the, the sense of it, right? That mechanic still existed. However, at those times, it was a purely single-player experience. And so you've got that loot-driven mechanic, like, on top of the narrative. So you're going to tell a, a great story with a kind of a loot driven driven narrative so the grind doesn't feel like a grind because it's just part of the story and if it's well executed your character grows and becomes stronger and gets better and better gear as you progress through the story and it ties into the story right so it's like oh yeah no i'm more badass now because i killed this giant evil tyrant and now i get his sword so oh now i'm cool and i'm gonna do this other thing right so that's part of it um and there's a middle ground game that I just that I just thought about. I'll bring it back up in a second. The, the problem I think with a lot of these games is that the narrative's taking a back seat. So they're like still keeping the same sort of grow your character, loot your, loot your gear, but they've taken out, they've added multiplayer into it. Since you can't have a hundred people all being the central protagonists of the story, they've lost a bit of the narrative. I mean, now some some people have managed to do well. So I'm going to get back to uh, the uh, Star Wars. Um, the Old Republic MMO, because they did something interesting there, which I'll, I'll get to in a second. But I think one one thing that might have happened is that as we transitioned from these older uh, single-player-focused RPGs, which still, I guess when we, when we talk about it, still had a loot-driven aspect to it. I remember playing Baldur's Gate, which we keep bringing up every single fucking episode. <laughs> it's a very good game. Um, I was spending a lot of time like digging through my loot. Okay, let me optimize the stuff I've got. Let me optimize my character to hit to my play style. Um, but it was part of a narrative. It was served by the narrative. Well, the other problem with that is those games last, you know, 50 hours, right? right? And Baldur's Gate was the exception. It lasted like 200. But. So they basically took what was a cool, addictive aspect of those games and stripped away the quality, and then we're left with a, okay, let's build a loot system, and let's try to shoehorn in the story, but it's got to fit, it's got to accommodate a million players, and everybody's got to feel special. Now, I, I, bring, up, I bring up Star Wars The Old Republic, because um, the way they approach that game, and this is another unfortunate MMO in my opinion, um, it's it, it was a it was a uh, a great like it's a basically thing. Nice the old Republic kind of you know we all love that game. So we're like we all got so excited, or I got super excited, and they had a, they had a, a narrative for. You're talking about the MMO right now. Yeah, the MMO. Sorry, so Star Wars the MMO. They had a narrative for each character, right? And right, each class had its own storyline. Yeah, and I and I played. I, I kind of got lost. Also, a Bioware game. It's, yeah, and it was good. <laughs> yeah, I got it's actually, the story. At least was good. Shit, man, this really ties into what we're talking. Yeah, okay. So, I I got lucky and chose the agent on the Empire side, and I got lucky because he had one of the best stories. I just kind of randomly chose, and I got lucky in that regard. And I remember playing the whole narrative, and I got to the end of it. And I'm like, okay, well, I finished this narrative. I have no interest in playing this like this is an MMO because there's there's nothing else to it. Right. And so what you had is you had this like them attempting to shove a 
what would have been a fantastic single player experience into an MMO at the same time. Which might be what we have here again. And it's just like this, hey, grind and loot and grow, but MMOs are hot, so let's just make every idea we have a fucking MMO. <laughs> is, that, like, is that what we're dealing with? I mean, I mean, it might be, to some extent, where everyone just wants to cash in on the latest trend, and MMOs have been trendy for a while. And that's kind of where we're at, is... It, it, I mean, it's sort of the games as a service model is what's yeah. popular right now is how how can we keep people engaged with our game for as long as possible and looting is a great way to do it because there's always new loot and new gear to access for the player and always new numbers to achieve to fight new bigger numbers of number 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 numbers lots of numbers grow right so it's a good way to really kind of grasp people and keep them entertained the whole time so yeah, it's compelling, but I think the reason, I mean, the, the question we asked earlier is why Why are they making bad looters? Yeah. And it seems like maybe the answer is lack of passion, but maybe people are bad at it. I don't know, like, maybe it's harder than it looks, it doesn't seem like it, maybe, but maybe, maybe it's just a more yeah. fragile ecosystem than people really see. I mean, take so so take Borderlands for instance, and I, I know we're, we're we're coming up on time. I think. Right, we're yeah. we're about done. Yeah, we're we're about with this but, segment. But to close it down, I mean, uh, Borderlands came out, and it's really been digging into this. I've, I've been thinking about how, like, where do you, like imagine you got this slider of like a single player experience and a multiplayer experience, right? And and for like these kind of looters, it's really finding that magic spot. And Borderlands did a great job because you could play the game by yourself. You could totally play the game by yourself, but it's also you could play the game with other people. But it's not like a, it's not like a thousand people in the server. It's you and the people you choose, right? And it's more fun with friends, sure. Um, and and people can come in and out and do their own thing. But it's, I mean, that's a very loot-driven FPS. Right? right. It's definitely the yeah. one of the first Diablo shooters. And it's but what's great about it too? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, is a Diablo shooter. That's a very well. Played. Right. I mean, that's what all of these kind of are, even though they have sort of the MMO moniker. They're essentially Diablo. Diablo shooters. But yeah. we're shooting. Yeah, you're right. It's a Diablo shooter. Uh, but one thing I liked about Borderlands 2 personally was I thought the humor and the story was hilarious. And so they had that work in form. Although, to be fair, I've never finished a single Borderlands game. Yeah, I, 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 I don't particularly like the gameplay. Yeah, I kind of got Very bullet spongy. It, so that is, that is without without tearing it down too much, it, the bullet sponginess it is the one of the worst. Right. But... But as far as it's it's dialing that that where it puts that slider of like loot driven FPS or loot driven single player to loot driven multiplayer, um, I think they did a they've done a they did a better job than single player. Yeah, Borderlands one and two were enjoyed by a lot of people. The problem is the pre sequel also pretty much kind of before really things got started off with Destiny the pre sequel Borderlands pre sequel. Yeah, it's kind of crappy too in a lot of ways. Maybe not as bad as Destiny was at launch, but it was kind of funny. Uh, you could almost see the writing on the wall for how everything was going to progress in video game land with these shooters that were releasing apps afterward. Yeah, now here's hoping that um, this trend will die with Anthem. And that makes me sad. Or hopefully Anthem will be good. I mean, they have time to... So the thing is, <laughs> Destiny 2 is supposed to be supposedly a good game now. 
really? It supposedly has at least an enjoyable amount of content, and Anthem could absolutely turn out to be a really good game in a few months. The problem is that it certainly released too early, and they certainly didn't anticipate that people cared about loot, which is stupid because it's a looting game. Uh, but they didn't understand its importance. That is absolutely clear. They didn't understand what people valued in this game, which is asinine. Again, like it's very frustrating to see that. But now that they do, uh, at least now that they do, they can actually start working on what makes people happy to play their game. Well, step one, I need to feel safe installing it on my PS. <laughs> yeah, they need to fix it. Fix that first. Yep. And then so. I'll close out with the, the two games I was talking about that have come out this decade that are actually pretty good looters. Yeah. So you touched on Borderlands. So Borderlands 2 came out this decade. Yep. Grim Dawn is the other looter that came out in a, Dawn. in a good state. Yeah, so it's similar to Diablo. So you, that was an indie game, right? It was an indie game with a CD of about 20 people. It's a so good game. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, the the multiplayer was a little jank in how it works, but the actual core component, or core gameplay elements were really good. So it is possible to do well, but indie studios are more passionate, so maybe there's something to passion driving the looting experience. Because you got to make tough decisions about, you know, the, the more, I guess, I would guess the smaller your team, the more passionate you are, the less concerned you are about the bottom line, per se. Right. Or like, not, not necessarily the bottom line, let me, let me rephrase that. The less you, concerned you are about squeezing out revenue from every inch of, a, of an IP. Right. right, right. There's not as much statistical analysis into how much money can we make. It's yeah. more creating a good game, and hopefully we make money out of it. Yes, it's game. It's game quality first, and then you know. And so there's, I, there's something I said offline. You wanted me to say it again. I'm going to make a super, what I think is a very cool reference <laughs> uh, to the Dark Knight, and this is a reference to Bioware. It's, uh, you know, you. you what did he say? He said, you, uh, you die, you die a hero, hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the enemy. The villain. The villain, sorry. Oh, fuck that all up. <laughs> it's I, okay. Let's do that one more time. Look, I'm like five years deep at this point. All right, so <laughs> one more time. It's the, you, you live long enough. <laughs> anyway, so oh, we're done with the segment. All right, you to die a hero, you live <laughs> long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah. And that's Bioware now. It's it's like they they've gone from doing what they know, and they've become a studio that's been it feels like it's been pulled into this whole like hurricane of uh, whatever looty greedy shit. Yeah, whether it's hard to say whether it's EA or Bioware with Anthem because after EA bought or after EA bought Bioware, they made Dragon Age Origins, which is loved by everybody. And Inquisition, I thought was a great game, and the Mass Effect trilogy, which was a great. And there's a lot of great oh, yeah. components to all of these games, but then they released cool. Mass Effect Andromeda last year, and that was, oh god. And then there was Anthem this year, and maybe it'll still turn out to be a good game, and there are a lot of cool things initially, but, oh, it's so buggy, and the loot is so bad that it's bad right now. Yeah. They need to fix it. And again, like I, I, the one thing that really amazes me here is that EA, which is consistently... People, it's like popular to just hate. Right, it's fun EA. to hate on EA. It's fun to say EA is the worst company that exists, right? Um, and in this case, you can even see it on Reddit. Like people are saying, it's this is clearly not EA's fault. It's six-year development for this game. Right. How? 
how did they miss this? Right, even if EA said, hey, you need to throw a bunch of loot boxes into this game, that's all we care about, Dude, you could have figured out a way to make it good with a bunch of loot boxes. Even just the breaking aspect, I know we got a break, but I'm still mad about this. Alpha and beta testers have come on to Reddit and have posted, like, we saw this, we posted about this, we reported this as an issue. This is a known issue, and they shipped the game anyway. Yep. Why? Only people at Bioware can really answer that. Yeah. Well, this is a studio here in Austin. Maybe you should go over there and find out. Say, hey, stop working on the old Republic for a second. <laughs> Do this. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, so we're going to break and come back with an interview in just a minute. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to have a long episode tonight. Yep. All right, take care. here to talk to Drago from the Smash community, from the local tournament that's happening here tonight. Uh, thanks for kind of sitting down and being willing to talk to us. Yeah, no problem. I'm looking forward to it. I love talking about Smash and games in general. Oh, you're a little closer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, how long have you been playing Smash? Since I was a kid, but like competitively for like the past five years. Okay, Since so like you... 2014. Okay, so you've been playing through the past couple iterations of yeah. Smash. How, uh, how far does your tournament experience extend? Do you play mainly locals? Have you traveled for Smash? I've traveled a lot. So I traveled basically everywhere in Texas every weekend. But I've been to majors in Virginia, Detroit, California, both SoCal and NorCal. And I went to a weekly in Montreal when we went on a family vacation. The Smash room was like, I need to go. And I went. So I've been everywhere. Been to all kinds of big tournaments, small tournaments, and uh, for a lot of games. Melee, Project M, Smash 4, and now Ultimate. Okay, that's awesome. So, I'm going to go ahead and just start with the big question, because we were talking about it in our headliner when we are talking about news, which is that Smash Melee is not at EVO for the first time in 17 years. How do you feel about it? Well, I started with Project M, which was basically inspired by Melee, and then I switched to Melee right before Smash 4 came out. So, like, I played the game a lot, I like the community, the game's fun, it's great. But I think... It's interesting because of the other games that were on. Like if Samurai Showdown, and I think that's mainly the game that I think is kind of weird. I think Unius is great. I love that it's got a spot. But like if it wasn't Samurai Showdown or something that, because that's not, it doesn't even have a release date. Right. And Melee was so big, constantly second or third most uh, entered, maybe sometimes even first. And then sometimes like it was always the second most viewed game or third, third. I think it was third last year only because. I mean, Dragon Ball hype was insane. Right, Dragon Ball was super big so, last year. Especially with the two players, yeah. with Sonic, Fox, and Goichi going exactly. at it. Exactly. So, a big part of it. It, confu it. it confuses me kind of, but it also doesn't, because it takes a lot of money to run those events, because you need CRTs. Right. Two people are not going to play on monitors. So you have to get the specific vaults and companies, and it's probably more expensive, because it's a lot more room, because they're massive TVs. So I think they did it, and they're like, you know what, Melee's great. We get a lot of money for them, but we have Ultimate. We're hoping... They're probably just hoping half of the Melee players that come, or like a quarter of them, that didn't play Smash 4, are playing Ultimate, plus all the new Ultimate players, and it'll work out, plus all the other games. Because, I mean, Tekken is going to be big. Dragon Ball is probably going to be big. Street Fighter is always big. Sure. Mortal Kombat 11 is going to be big. So, I don't know if they could have even handled another big Smash tournament, too. That is a really interesting point, just talking about the logistics of it yeah. all. Like, in an ideal world, sure, you want all the biggest fighting games there and represented, but not necessarily the case where 
you've got a limited amount of space and talking about CRTs being available. So how do you feel Smash Ultimate compares to Smash Melee? What do you think its long-term prognosis is? It's been out for what, four months so far. This game, if it didn't get patched, it could live minimum as long as Melee, which would have been, I think it's what, 16, wow. 17 years already? That is a bold statement. I mean, there's so many characters. I don't think any. I don't think anything... I mean, obviously we're only two, like two, three months in. Anything can change. But some people can find something broken with like two characters and completely change how the game works. But I don't think that's gonna happen. So like even with no patches, with so many characters, and they all seem relatively balanced, it'd be pretty hard for it not to last that long. But uh, it will get patches. But I think it'll die when the next game comes out. Inevitably. But like if it was standalone, just as long as melee. I think it took a lot of good things from Melee, and uh, it's a good mix of like what Smash 4 was and what Melee was, because Smash 4 felt like what Brawl should have been, and I think Smash a lot of people think Ultimate is what Smash 4 should have been, which in everyone's hearts would be Brawl, but like the good aspects and the good aspects of Melee, so I think it's pretty damn close to getting to what people want. Do you think that the competitive scene is going to have a lot of the same mainstays from previous iteration of Smash and Melee at the top, or do you think it's going to be a pretty big shift? Hmm, I think, I think Melee is going to stay the same results-wise. I don't think any, any Smasher that's new to Smash from Ultimate, I don't think many would go to Melee, because it happens, like, a lot of people play sure. Smash 4, they're like, this isn't the game for me, but what, I didn't realize Melee was alive, let me go play Melee. But, uh, I think, I, that's bound to happen, I'm sure someone's going to do that, but I don't think they'll be likelihood that they're good is very low gotcha. but i think a lot of the melee players switching over are going to be good like we have a player in austin named albert he's number one in austin basically been top five in texas for melee ever since he started playing and he's very good he's like top 15 in austin right now so I, and that'll keep happening because like the number i think two player in the world leffen very good player probably top 30 in ultimate right now in the and world. also really good at dragon ball fighters yeah and really good man he's so good at games in general he's very good so uh i think the land side, I, I, I haven't seen any new players, like brand, brand new. When Smash 4, we there was already, like, Samsora was basically brand new. The Peach Man, okay. like, no one knew about him in Brawl. I mean, he was super young, but, like, even, like, Mega Fox, who's only 20, when Brawl came out, he was, like, 11, 12. People already knew about him in Smash 4, because he was that, like, he, right. he played Brawl. Samsora wasn't that. So we had a lot of that in Smash 4 early on. So far, nothing for Ultimate, which surprises me, because there's significantly more people that haven't played a prior smash so i'm surprised that there hasn't been a legitimately brand new person to be like really really good yet do most of the people that you play with here in these local tournaments are they typically new to smash or do they have some sort of efficiency like you do they're typically new to tournaments like okay. so right now this tournament has like 70 entrants at this point almost everyone has been to so one like more than two or three but if we, like a month ago when it started, like 30 to 40 of them would be, this is my first tournament, I'm excited for Ultimate, blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. So, and, and that's still going to happen. I'm sure there's like two, three people here. This is the first tournament. But uh, like that growth will happen for years. Like I remember last few months of Smash 4, people were coming because I've never played Smash, but Smash Ultimate is happening. I love my Switch and I know I'm going to get the game. <laughs> so let me start with Smash 4 and just try to get good. So... I think the scene's gonna be crazy big. 
how big is the offline scene versus the online scene? And what's kind of the disparity between the two? Are there a lot of competitive players playing online legitimately? I know Nintendo had some issues with it early on. Yeah. I don't know if those are still persisting. So, I think online's good. Both players' connections are good. Peer-to-peer -peer is sketchy. I don't know why Nintendo insists on using peer-to-peer -peer and not a server. Especially with how much money they make. Because people will pay for the server. Uh, there's a lot of people online. But I think one of the cool things about Smash is that it's local and like in-person scene is a lot bigger than any other fighter. Like You'll look at a Street Fighter Weekly in New York. You would think it's big. 11 people. Right. So, and Smash has always been that way. Like, I was even just in Melee. Talking. I, I play occasionally at a Tekken local that happens yeah, here in Austin. Yeah, I've been it's once. It's got about 15 to 20 people at the arcade, which yeah. is it's probably cool. one of the biggest weekly scenes outside of Smash here in Austin. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. Like, so. I haven't seen a fighting game weekly get more than 32 since the launch of Dragon Ball. Right. Which, you know, and even then, you would think it'd be massive. Like, you're in New York City. Like, I'm mainly talking about NLBC, which is like a tournament series in New York. You would think in New York there'd be more than 32 people wanting to go to a, a local at right. least one time. Seems super reasonable. But nothing. And uh, so I think that's the cool thing about Smash is that not only do we have events significantly more frequently than, uh, like, Street Fighter or something, uh people go too because like sometimes like if it's not a premiere like a capcom pro tour premiere event it's like a hundred people which can be like a monthly of literally only austin players for smash but there it's like people from all over the country rent and i don't know why because everyone loves the money that's involved in street fighter and all that but it always seems so small and that's just a super major like evo i think for the first year of street fighter 5 was five thousand people i know that's when it's great. Every right. it's like Evo, CEO, the biggest event, the, the biggest, year. biggest, biggest, like four, five it's times combo max. Breaker, right? Yeah. all those. And if it's not that, it usually it rarely breaks two hundred. Which I mean, don't get me wrong, a hundred. I would love to run a hundred seventy man tournament. Like that's big. But when you compare it to at least Smash, you'll see monthlies get 200, 400 people. Like I remember in Smash Four, towards the beginning, a monthly in Houston capped at 400 day of like there was like probably 100 people left that wanted to sign up and then Tio was like i cannot do this like we got to cap hard at 400 and that is one of the most infamous events ever because it <laughs> did not run well for oh, multiple different reasons but yeah like the offline scene is massive compared to other games but uh the online scene is still crazy because basically anyone that plays offline plays online Okay, so it's still very active. You yeah. can still get in a lot of practice yeah, yeah. online. A lot of discords. Players. Yeah, there's Wi-Fi tournaments every day with money involved, and people take it seriously. A lot of top players. That's how they got good. I know a Texas player, Cosmos. That's how he started up. And Lima too. They played Wi-Fi for like two years straight. Finally showed up, and then they just kept showing up because almost everyone loves going to the event once they're there. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, playing with that many people just. It's kind of cool to walk in and yeah. see a lot of people that clearly have the same passion with you and they're super interested in the game all doing the same thing together. Yeah. Um, so what I'm curious about, because it gets made a, a big deal out of with Smash Melee, and I don't know how it extends to Ultimate, do you play any other fighting games? I do. I play Street Fighter, Dragon Ball, Dabble and Tekken. Okay, so how, in general, insular do you feel the Smash ultimate community is versus smash melee because melee at least it's very portrayed as extremely insular yeah um, ultimate doesn't necessarily 
I think it's hard for Ultimate to be portrayed that way because it's so new. Right. Uh, Smash 4 didn't really feel that way either, but it could have gotten that way. But I think uh, I think it's just the vocal minority for the Melee community. I think a lot of the Melee community doesn't care what game you played. Uh, like online, the trolls will be like, oh, you play Smash 4, you're terrible, I hate right. you. But like, you'll go to a weekly and it'll be like me, like I'll show up for the first time in a year. And a lot of the people don't know me, but like aside from the old people that knew I played. And they'll be like, oh, is this your first event? I'm like, nah, I used to play, but now I'm a Smash 4 player. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're not going to be like, like disgusted with you. Most people are fine because you're like, yeah. we're playing video games. We're just here exactly. to have fun anyway. What does so, that matter? I think I find it hard for the majority to feel that way. Obviously, the vocal minority is going to be Because it exists now, technically, online. A lot of people are like, why are you playing Melee? It's so old. It's dead. We want to ultimate, and it's like it's not that it doesn't work that way. Like there's a reason people still play Marvel Three. There's a reason people will go back to Four sometimes, or Street Fighter Four, I should say. Like people are gonna love their games no matter what. So how do you manage? I assume Smash Ultimate is your main game. Yeah. Like when you play the other fighters, how do you manage your time choosing? I'm gonna play Smash Ultimate today versus Street Fighter or whatever other game. Uh, for Ultimate, it's really just been if a friend hits me up for any other game, I'll play because it's rare. But okay. for like. When I when arcade edition dropped, when everyone was playing, I put Smash Four to the side and I played arcade edition a lot on release. And uh, <laughs> he does. I wish he was good. But uh, yeah, like typically, I want to be good at those games. But it, it's for those games, it's not the goal. Like being the best, like I have with Smash. Part of which because I know I'm already not. Like I think I was naturally more gravitated to how Smash works. Sure. Than how basically any game but Street Fighter, because Street Fighter is slower, so it's easy for me to comprehend. But like Marvel, I love watching it and I play it. I'm like, I can't move, I can't combo, I don't know how to block. So, where was I? So, I was, you, yeah. Yeah, like, just talking about your preference for Ultimate. Yeah, Street so, uh, with my goal for those games is basically be good enough to beat my friends that are like, okay. Like, be good enough to I go to a tournament if I'm doing. All right, I'll go like two two. Sure, I got a major. Yep. Like people can tell, like, oh, he plays the game. He knows his combos. He's not. A, he's not terrible. That's it. Because it's it's fun for me, and I love watching. I will always love watching fighting games. So that's my goal. Is basically uh, be good enough. So a lot of the times it's like I put in two three weeks like straight, uh, mainly that game, and then after that it's like muscle memory. I don't really have to touch it. I understand how the game works. I'm like. I'm a top player in Smash, so I understand like people like going for blank options and right. certain matches. General fundamentals. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I know my combos because I labbed for two weeks. I know how neutral works in general. As long as I'm not like getting mixed up every time, I'll do okay right. whenever someone asks me to play. Awesome. So I'll ask you one last question. Uh, are you you have sponsors? Are you looking for sponsors? What's your status for getting around and playing all these tournaments? So for Smash Four, I was sponsored with Armada, and I'm still with them now. But now I'm their Smash manager. Okay. I kind of moved away from being a player, at least with them. Uh, a mix of reasons for like, for one, I I know I played a broken character in Smash Four. <laughs> that character was broken. She Is it Bayonetta? Yes. Okay. I see. I told you. Yeah. Earlier, I was like, I knew it was Bayonetta. Definitely carried me. Uh, I, I'm still good in this game. I'm PR level, but sure. being number three in Austin to being nine or ten, while also beating like in Smash Four, I beat the number fifteen in the world. That's, That's awesome. not gonna happen for a while in this game, and okay. I know that. I understand that I was carried, so it was a mix of obviously my results weren't gonna be that good, and they wanted to expand because I already I was like a high mid level player or mid 
a mid-level player, but towards the top of it. Gotcha. And they were moving towards top, which is good. Like, I love the, I love the people that run Armada. So, like, I was happy that they were moving forward and getting the top-tier players, which we have now Myron, who just got third at Frostbite, and uh, Best Ness, who's number one in neutral. Utah, who also plays at a very high level. Ned, number one in Chicago, stuff like that. So it was a mix of, I know my results are going to go down. They're trying to spend their money on better players, and I acknowledge I'm worse than them. And uh, loving the company, so I just stayed with them as a manager. So, and, and also at the time, I didn't have a main in this game. So it was like, I didn't see a future for myself as a player, per se. Sure. So yeah, now I'm just lady. now I'm just with Armada as their manager and I love it. It's cool. Awesome. Get to manage like dope players and talk to a lot of people and uh, I get paid for it. Cool benefits. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's, it, it's fun. And then I get to do this like no no matter what. Like it's my hobby. Cool. So yeah. Alright, cool. Well Armada Dragon. Yep. Very good to talk to you. I really appreciate you sitting down and taking some time to chat with us about Smash. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. And good luck with everything in the future with all the competitive scene. Are you going to Texas Showdown? Uh, maybe. I want to go. I want to go, but it's so close to like DreamHack and LTC. So that might not happen. I'll probably go to Kumite and DreamHack and LTC. Yeah. And I want to go to EVO because a lot of my friends <laughs> here, wants to go to Evo. They'd, they'd never go to any major ever. Like I'm the only person in Austin for the longest time that would go out of the state. And they they're going to Evo, and it's like, how am I not going to go to the one major y'all go to? Like, is, I have to go. Yeah, so, you have to. Cool. So well, if, I'll be at Texas Showdown. So no, you're you're see you. And uh, good luck at your game that you yeah. are about to play. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you. Here we are doing the outro. It's so outro y. Yeah, I introed us. Altruistic. Outro. <laughs> I did the intro. Do I do the outro too? I don't care. All right. So, so uh, wait, uh, I got. Now you do it. Okay. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, this uh, wasn't a too discombobulated episode. I think we'll cut it together and it should have worked. Hope you enjoyed it. A couple good interviews, a couple good conversations, a uh, couple good segues. Got all the segues. And, uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with us, please, you know, subscribe to our uh, podcast uh, and check out our website, uh, nosickdays.com. Nosickdayspodcast.com. Nosickdayspodcast.com. Send us an email. Oh, I didn't have a, I don't have a sound this, this week. You don't have sound this week? No, no, the, uh, the game. Oh, I should, what am I saying? All right, so I did receive guesses about the sound from last week. Did you? I did. Excellent. Um, they, were, were they right? No. Oh. My favorite one was uh, somebody said, oh, I know the sound. It's the sound of you. Let me look this up. Hang on. This is good. Did you? Wait, let me ask you, Chris. While, while I look up what the sound was, uh, did you figure it out? No. Did you spend any time on it whatsoever? I thought about it for about 10 minutes after we finished. <laughs> That's it? That was it. All right. So this is my favorite <laughs> I mean, I figured one. I'm going to figure if it didn't happen, it wasn't going to happen. So one of our listeners sent in a message, uh, an old friend of ours actually, he wrote, this is the the sound of a, of the machine gun totally gave away what the sound was at the end of the podcast. It is, without a doubt, the sound of your Pokemon being healed at the hospital in Pokemon Fuchsia. Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the guess.
No, no, that is That's actually guess. the opening. It's, it's the if you play Fallout Two, uh, and the opening title sequence, you go through the whole uh, video um, orientation. There's a brief moment where the vault door opens. The vault dwellers stand there, wave their hands at the people waiting outside, who then immediately kill all of them. Eh, so it's not Gears of War. No. Oh, that's different. But I love that moment because the first time you see it, ooh, does it set the tone? For I should have guessed you would have put up Fallout Two clip. Yeah, it's my first for the time. First there, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I got to do another one here right now. You have another one? I'm, I'm gonna have one. Yeah. See, in, in, in three right, seconds. Three, two. All right. So I got it queued up. I'm gonna play it for you for just a minute. Uh, you'll get about ten seconds of the video. You tell me what this is. You don't tell me on the thing. Our listener probably didn't tell us. When do you want me to tell you? You tell me nothing. Oh. Unless you think you know, if you know, you think you know what it is. You can say I know what it is, but don't tell me what it is. Okay. Because the idea is that the people listening will then. Okay. Yeah, and if anybody gets it right, again, offer still stands. I'll totally buy a beer here at Fort Tap. Cool. Or maybe get your sweet copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. We'll figure out some giveaways in the future. Anyway, so here it comes. Quad spawn. Has the quad. Your team has the quad. Impressive. Impressive. Net master killing spree. Yeah, this one I actually know. Well, you were looking at the screen. I knew what it was before. All right, you, you did actually know. You did call yeah. it. You heard me pulling it up. Yes. Yeah. The it's funny how distinct the gunshot sounds are. That's why I looked up that specific gun. I was like, I want to hear this gun. Yeah, that gun's. We're giving it away. I'm sorry. Well, it's obviously a gun. It's obviously a gun. There's obviously. It's what not I'm, a sword. <laughs> what I'm really looking for is not just the game, but the gun itself. I want both. You give me both. The prize is yours. Yeah. All right, uh, let's call it. We're done. We Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, we're going to get some dinner. Yep. Uh, so anyways, until next time, uh, I'm John. I'm Chris. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. back with another uh, <laughs> that's the worst <laughs>